friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your master NLP certified timeline therapy certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. This episode actually came in as a request from one of the listeners. So I had posted on my Instagram story a while back some stories of certain politicians that were talking a lot and not saying anything. And I had made a comment in my Instagram story that although I didn't want to profess my political affiliation because it has nothing to do with this story, that the politician in the story that was saying a lot of words but not actually saying anything was actually using NLP hypnotic language and that this is a strategy that a lot of politicians will use to gain agreement with a mass amount of people and that it's my opinion that no matter what political party you consider yourself to be a part of, you need to watch out for politicians who say a lot of things without saying anything at all. Now, all politicians do this. Red, blue, green, doesn't matter what party they're affiliated with. The ones who do well and get elected will typically say a lot of words without actually saying anything at all. And there's a psychological reason to this. It's called NLP hypnotic language. So as I was talking about this on my Instagram story and saying, hey, these speeches or these clips from these different speeches are classic examples of hypnotic language where the politician is gaining agreement with a mass amount of people without actually declaring what they're going to do, how they're going to strategize any policy. They're just talking nonsense. So be aware of this. And if you don't want to be hypnotized by your political parties, by your politicians, by your media, by the news reports, then turn your TV off. As I shared this on my social media sites, I got a flood of messages from people saying different things like, could you expand upon this? What is hypnotic language? What are some hypnotic language patterns that I should be aware of? One person asked me, do cult leaders do this? How do I protect myself from becoming manipulated by hypnotic language? And then lastly, the question that I get often is, is NLP manipulative? These are all fantastic questions that I'm going to dive into today, starting with what is hypnotic language? What is NLP actually? I'm going to define it. Is it hypnotic language or is it Outside of that umbrella term, what is it? What does it do? Is it manipulative? And then lastly, what are hypnotic language patterns specifically to be aware of how to guard yourself against mass manipulation with mass hypnotic language? So that's what today's episode is about. Hopefully you find this fascinating. Let's dive in. 
Okay, first I'm going to answer what NLP is. Is it hypnotic language or is it different than that? Is it more than that? NLP or neurolinguistic programming is a very large umbrella term that is simply the study of excellence and how language can influence neurology and how neurology can lead to behavior. How neurology or neurological connections in the brain can lead us to believing the best in ourselves, to believing the best in other people, to believing the best in the world around us, to believe in the best possible version of ourselves, and then to act upon that. Neurolinguistic programming is the study of how we can learn so much from someone's lens on the world simply by listening to their language and how their language gives them away, gives the neurological connections in the brain away with the language that they're using. I'll give you a very clear example of this. Let's say I'm coaching a competitive swimmer, and this competitive swimmer says to me, I love winning. When I win, I feel accepted. When I win, I feel I belong. When I win, I feel worthy. Right off the bat, I'm listening to the language, and the key word here is win. Win W-H-E-N, when I win, then I feel worthy, which presupposes that this individual doesn't feel worthy. It presupposes that this person got into swimming to prove to themselves or to somebody else that they are worthy. So simply by gathering that one statement from a client, it is now my job to go back and find when did they decide that they don't belong? When did they decide that they're not worthy? When did they decide that they have to prove themselves? Probably most likely to their parents. I'm not going to assume that, but after doing some digging, statistically, it's probably going to be proving themselves to their parents or some other person that has put this drive in them to prove themselves a winner. If this has become a problem for this client, let's say they're starting to doubt their worthiness, they're not winning as much anymore, and they're starting to become depressed, then it is my job to reframe the neurological connections in the brain so that they presuppose that they are worthy with or without winning. This is just one example of when we use neuro-linguistic programming to look at the language to discover the programs that are happening in the brain. And using language to reconstruct those neurological connections in the brain for the best possible benefit for our clients and for the world. Now, the study of language, the study of neurology, the study of neuro connections in the brain, the study of motivations, both positive and negative, the study of limiting beliefs in the mind, the study of root cause events or significant emotional events that create neuroconnections in the brain that create limiting decisions in the brain that create negative emotions in the body. This is why neurolinguistic programming is such a high umbrella word that encompasses so much information. To get certified in neurolinguistic programming, you're looking at hundreds of hours of study of the brain, of language, of neuroconnections, of motivations, of deep strategies. There's so much in this one word, and hypnotic language patterns are a part of that study of linguistics. Before we do a deep dive on hypnotic language patterns, I want to address the question that I often get, which is, is NLP manipulative? And to that question, I always ask a follow-up question. What is your definition of manipulation? Because am I 
qualified? Am I certified to help somebody change the neural connections in their brain? The neural connections, the beliefs, the limiting decisions that are no longer serving them? Yes, I am. So am I reshaping the brain? Am I getting my hands in the neurology and molding it? Yes, I am. Is that what manipulation is? If I'm getting my quote-unquote hands in someone's brain and reshaping it and remolding it, is that manipulation? The adjective manipulatives, if you can remember back to elementary school, using manipulatives to help you count. These are little round discs that you moved with your hands to practice counting so that you could see which manipulatives you had not counted yet and which you had. And as you counted, one, two, three, you would move each manipulative with your finger from one pile to the other. So you would manipulate the outcome visually. So if that's our definition of manipulative, sure. What I'm doing is I'm using language, I'm using my knowledge of neuroconnections in the brain to go back and reconstruct some things that better serve the client. Now, this has to be ecological. It has to be a win-win for the client and the world. The client has to be willing and ready to make those changes, and the client is asking for those changes to be made. NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, it will not work on a client who's not willing and ready to make changes. It just will not work. So is it manipulative in the definition of I'm doing it against someone's will? No, it doesn't work that way. If I were to sit down with someone and say, okay, we're going to release you not feeling worthy and that you don't belong. Let's take the, the swimmer, for example. And the swimmer says, hold up. No, 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 no. If you take that away from me, I am no longer going to be motivated to be a world champion swimmer. Uh-uh, you are not making these changes in my brain then that resistance puts up a wall and there's nothing I can do until I coach the client around understanding what their new motivation will be. And that's a whole coaching session that might take an hour to get this client to realize we can replace what is motivating you so you don't have to be motivated by harmful, hurtful things anymore. You don't have to be motivated by I'm not worthy so I'm going to prove myself. What if you just were worthy and you presupposed that? What do you want to be motivated by moving forward to be a world champion? This doesn't happen in five minutes. Sometimes it takes me 20 minutes to support a client in getting ready to release something. Sometimes it takes me an hour. Sometimes it takes me four hours. Sometimes it takes weeks of assigning, tasking, and homework to the client. So if we're talking about neuro-linguistic programming and making changes in the brain, the client has to be willing, ready, and accepting of these changes in order to create long-lasting change in their neurology. But what about hypnosis now? What if we're talking about putting a person in a suggestible state and then making suggestions to the brain that is quote-unquote hypnotizing them? Can't you subvert or circumvent the resistance? You can if it's a win-win for the client. You absolutely can use hypnotic language patterns to circumvent the resistance. And that's when I will use hypnotic language patterns with a client when I already have their permission to make changes and I'm just helping support them and getting ready to make the changes and getting ready to do the release. Then they know that these changes are benefiting them. They're already mostly there. I'm just supporting them with a language that's going to 
help them be 100% ready. If you want to call that manipulation, then we can, although I think there are better terms for this type of work, which is why neuro-linguistic programming or an NLP coach is the language that I prefer. Because a coach, that word coach presupposes that we are collaborating on a result together, that I am just a mentor and a guide to somebody who is accepting and wanting of these changes. And remember, I also said that I do have hypnotic language patterns that encourage my clients to move toward wanting to make changes in their life, to get them ready to make those changes in their life, and to get them ready to do the quote-unquote release work. And I realize I'm saying that word without defining it. Release work is just meaning actually sitting down with the client's permission to do a process that changes the neural connection in the brain. So that's what I mean by releasing the old. For example, I'm not worthy or I have to prove myself and replacing it with the new. I am worthy. I don't need to prove anything. I just am worthy. Let's move forward in this conversation now. What is hypnotic language? What are hypnotic language patterns? And when do they benefit me and when do they not? So starting with what is hypnosis? What are hypnotic language patterns specifically? So this definition is coming from nlpworld.co and I'm just going to read it. It says hypnotic language patterns encourage the listener to move away from detail and content and move to higher levels of thinking, deeper states of mind. Some patterns are used to establish a trance state or relaxation in the body. Other patterns are used to loosen the listener's model of the world from which he is expressing his current behaviors and to consider a more expansive interpretation of what is possible. He boo blah blah blah. What does that mean? It means that hypnotic language patterns are structured to gain agreement from the person listening. In other words, where we may disagree in the details, we may agree on the overall picture or the value involved. So hypnotic language patterns move someone from focusing on detail-specific things to higher umbrella words or language that everyone can agree upon. And this gains agreement. This is why politicians will do this. Because if they're speaking to millions of people, we have millions of different ideas about how to best go about healthcare, for example. Or millions of different ideas about how to best go about people moving into this country, legally or otherwise. So because a politician is walking on a lot of wires... What they'll do is they will use language that is very vague and moves people away from detail-specific content and moves them to higher ways of thinking that no one can disagree with. I'm going to read a speech from a politician, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, and I'm just going to read the words. And you're going to see some hypnotic language patterns, and then I'm going to break them down for you. Here's the speech. I stand here today humbled by the task before us, grateful for the trust you have bestowed, mindful of the sacrifices borne by our ancestors. I thank President so-and-so for his service to our nation, as well as the generosity and cooperation that he has shown throughout this transition. 
So many Americans have now taken the presidential oath. The words have been spoken during rising tides of prosperity and the still waters of peace. Yet every so often the oath is taken amidst gathering clouds and storms. Okay, that's enough from this speech. You'll notice that in this speech, I didn't say anything controversial. I actually didn't even say anything worth mentioning. If you really think about the words that I said, I described, if I were this president, I described standing in front of the nation, ready to take an oath. So anybody watching this can agree that this person is standing in front of a crowd ready to take an oath. There's nothing I can argue with. Even if I don't like this person or I don't like this president, he's speaking in such vague universal truths that I agree with what he is saying. And that is what politicians will do. They will speak in these kind of vague sentences that gain agreement with most people. Now, I will tell you that the speech that I just read was from a president who was actually certified in NLP. I know this. There's no doubt in my mind that this president was certified in NLP. Probably one of the best speakers we've ever had as president. And it is because he knows neurolinguistic programming. And it is because he knows how to speak eloquently and how to speak in these high language pattern models, hypnotic language pattern models. So what I want to do now is now that we have a definition of what hypnotic language is, it's essentially moving people away from detail-specific things that could create division and instead moving them more towards high levels of thinking where we gain agreement. That's it. That's what hypnotic language is in a nutshell. I now want to move into what hypnotic language patterns are specifically, how to use them, and when to notice that they're being used on you. Because if you have this information and you're watching television and you're watching the news or you're watching a commercial or you're watching politicians, you'll be able to recognize and be aware of hypnotic language patterns. And you'll say, uh-uh, not today. I'm not going to be hypnotized. So let's move into specific types of hypnotic language patterns and how to recognize them. One of the easiest hypnotic language patterns to recognize during a commercial or during a political speech is called pacing current experience. So pacing current experience is simply describing another person's experience in a way which is undeniable. They have to agree with it. Okay. This creates agreement and its effect is very relaxing on the person listening. So an example of this that a lot of politicians use, pay attention, is as I stand here before you today, that's a current experience. I look up, I'm like, yes, you are standing here before me today. I can't disagree with that. It is true. Another example of pacing current experience, as you're hearing the words that I'm speaking, and every single person is like, yes, I am hearing the words that you are speaking, if they have the ability to hear then they've just gained agreement with everybody who has the ability to hear. If I pace your current experience right now, it would sound like this. As you're listening to this podcast called Life Coach in Your Pocket, which is essentially a life coach who is giving life coaching tips, and today specifically is breaking down what hypnotic language patterns are, and that's what you're listening to. And as you're listening to this, you're learning a lot of information 
you're like, yes, all of that is true. So all I'm doing is I'm pacing your current experience. And remember, it's simply describing the person's experience in a way which is undeniably true. By doing this, you create a hypnotic effect. Now, I'm not using a hypnotic voice because I don't actually want you going into a trance. If I did want you going into a trance, I would slow down my voice, pace your current experience using a hypnotic language pattern with my voice. And I'll just give you an example of this. And it would sound like this. As you're listening to the podcast today, you might be realizing that you are learning a lot of new information about hypnotic language. And as you notice that you're learning a lot of new information about hypnotic language, you're becoming more and more curious about how to recognize hypnotic language patterns. Now, that's a quite obvious example, totally awake, totally alert. I'm not going to hypnotize you, I promise, but that is what a hypnotic voice would sound like should I want to go there. And if you'll notice, if you are the type of person that goes to YouTube for meditations, they're using that voice. They're using that voice on purpose to create a very zen state. Okay, utilization. Let's move to another hypnotic language pattern. This one is called utilization. It's really fun, actually. And I just used it this morning in my group coaching class called Transform because we were doing timeline therapy on Zoom. And one of the members, her internet kept cutting in and out. And so as she would be kicked in and out of the Zoom, it kept dinging, ding, ding dong. And so I utilized this dinging so that instead of it being jarring for the people who were doing timeline therapy, is I simply would say things like, as you're hearing the ding, you're realizing that new learnings are coming to you. As you're hearing the ding, that is the sound of the old limiting belief falling away. Each time that you hear the ding, a new learning is coming to you and the old neurological connection is getting weaker and weaker. So I'm utilizing the circumstances to help support the classroom environment. Instead of that dinging becoming a distraction, I'm utilizing it to now be for their benefit. So utilization is just using whatever happens to strengthen the points that you're making or to strengthen the desired outcome. So this model, these hypnotic language patterns actually come from Erickson, Milton Erickson. And he used to use utilization for traffic because his office where he used to put clients into trance was above a very busy street and there would be people sometimes walking up and down the hallway outside or talking outside and so if ever there were any noises he could say to the client any noises you might hear can just remind you how quiet it is inside and so he would utilize these distractions to actually mean that the client was gaining something better than the distraction Okay, another hypnotic language pattern that comes from Milton Erickson is called truisms. Truisms are generalizations which are undeniable statements, so obvious or so self-evident that they're hardly worth mentioning, actually, except you would mention them for a hypnotic language pattern. Examples of truism I actually already used with you, which is you're learning more. You are learning more. So... Is it even worth saying that you're learning something right now? I don't know. 
But if I do it and I presuppose that you're learning something, then you can agree with that statement and then get something from this podcast. So if I say, as you're listening to this podcast and you're becoming curious about hypnotic language patterns, you are learning so much that perhaps you didn't know before and you're learning so much, the knowledge that you have about this subject is getting stronger and deeper. This might sound a little bit too similar to the previous hypnotic language pattern that I said of pacing current experience. So I'm going to give you a different example of truisms. For example, I could say, most people listen more effectively when they have less distractions. Now, whether or not you're distracted right now or not, I don't know. So I don't know if that's your current experience or not, but I'm just saying something that's true. So there's not much to argue with, with a truism, and it can pre-frame or suggest something that you are wanting the listener to agree with. Okay, another hypnotic language pattern is ambiguity. Ambiguity is when a word or phrase or sentence has more than one meaning. When this happens, the conscious mind looks at the context to work out which meaning is correct, but the other meaning will still be registered by the unconscious mind. Let me give you an example so this makes more sense. We're going to start with something called phonological ambiguity. This is where one word sounds like another, right? A phoneme. I'll use an example from a commercial. Coke refreshes like no other can. Okay, so in this advertisement, we're listening to a phonological ambiguity. Is the word can about a soda can? Or is the word can describing my ability to do something or the Coke's ability to do something? I don't know. So I'm registering actually both meanings at the same time because of the phonological ambiguity. Coke refreshes like no other can. Another example of ambiguity is syntactic ambiguity. So this is when the same sequence of words can be interpreted in different ways. Example, I don't like micromanaging managers. The ambiguity takes place because the listener isn't sure if I'm micromanaging managers and I don't like it, or if I have a micromanaging manager and I don't like being on the receiving end of it. It's unclear. I don't like micromanaging managers. Who's doing the micromanaging? It's unclear. So this is called syntactic ambiguity. When I don't know who the subject is of the sentence, or maybe I don't know who the object is of the sentence, but something about the syntax is unclear. I'll give you a funny one. Here it is. Bill Clinton wanted the presidency more than Hillary. Now, what am I saying? Am I saying that Bill Clinton wanted the presidency more than he desired Hillary? Or am I saying that Bill Clinton wanted to be president more than Hillary Clinton wanted to be president? It's unclear. And so the syntax is ambiguous. And these ambiguous sentences, believe it or not, create agreement in the listener. Let's talk about scope ambiguity. So scope ambiguity is where you can't be sure how much of a sentence that a specific word or phrase applies to. So it sets up additional meanings in the listener's mind. So for example, if you say speaking to you as a serious professional. Does that serious professional apply to you, the listener, or to me, the speaker, or both? Well, in this case, since it could apply to both, it's considered scope ambiguity. 
Now, again, when might you use this scope ambiguity? If you are trying to create agreement in another person. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that you're trying to hypnotize someone or that you're trying to create a trance, although you absolutely could get really good at hypnotic language and help induce a trance-like state in other people. Although another way that you can get really good at hypnotic language and use hypnotic language is simply for the purpose of creating agreement, the way that politicians will often do. So if you are going into a meeting at work, or let's say you have a relationship that feels a little bit tense, then you can create some agreement by using some of these phrases consecutively in order to build trust in order to build agreement and in order to reduce resistance or tension. And this applies to all hypnotic language patterns, not just scope ambiguity. But I realized I didn't really give you the context of when you might use these different phrases, so I wanted to plug that in here. I'm going to give you some more examples of scope ambiguity in case you actually want to try these out. So here's some more examples. Speaking to you as a concerned parent appealing to you as a sales expert, writing to you as a credible consultant, speaking to you now as a trained speaker. Okay, let's move to punctuation ambiguity. So punctuation ambiguity is where it's not clear where one sentence ends and the next begins. I want you to notice your hand me the glass. Here's one that might be a little less awkward to say in a sentence. Only you can decide to award the business to me. There's only one way to go. In this sentence, I'm suggesting that the business be awarded to me. If you pay attention to the punctuation ambiguity. Only you can decide where to award the business to me. There's only one way to go. Only you can decide who the best possible candidate for the presidency is. Me. I think the answer is quite obvious. And then I could go on to say, pick someone who has these different qualifications. And I, of course, would be describing myself if I wanted to be elected president. Now, the last few hypnotic language patterns I'll go over are the ones that I think are the most obvious to hear when you are watching television and a commercial comes on or you're watching a politician give a speech. The first one is mind reading. Mind reading happens when we speak as though we know the thoughts and feelings of other people. For example, you must be wondering what mind reading means since I just asked you about it. Or, gosh, you must be just loving this weather that we're having. I know that you want a presidential candidate who's going to care about your perspective. When it comes to looking for the right shampoo, we know that you want a product that cares about the environment. So that's mind reading. I'm just assuming that I know what you're thinking and feeling. The next one you'll notice quite often in television, whether you're watching the news or you're watching speeches, you'll notice lost performative. Lost performative is in the statement, there's a judgment made, but it's unclear where this judgment is coming from. So for example, it's not right to cheat. People do not like presidential candidates who are only in it for themselves. Everyone deserves a second chance. So these are things, these are value statements, judgment statements, 
but according to who? When we don't know where this ideal or this value or this judgment is coming from, the person listening is likely to just nod along in agreement. Okay, real talk. I have to break up this podcast just a little bit to tell you that I have really bad hiccups right now. And I don't know if you can tell, but that's why (laughs) you might notice that this episode's a little choppy because I keep having to edit out hiccups every five seconds. So I apologize for that, (laughs) but I'm going to power through and we're going to get through this because I only have what, like two language patterns left that I want to teach you about. There are tons, but I'm narrowing it down to the ones that I think are the most easily recognizable, whether it be on the news or in a commercial or in print. Okay, second to last one is universal quantifier. Start paying attention because this is everywhere and I just used it. It's everywhere. And universal qualifier is words that make universal generalizations. So there's no exceptions, basically. So for example, everyone, always, no one, never, all of the time. Everyone here wants a presidential candidate that is going to stick up for human rights. So a universal quantifier leaves no room for exception. There's no alternative. There's no exception. So universal quantifiers are used a lot to eliminate critical thinking. And both political parties do this. So I'm not saying one political party is guilty and the other is not. Uh, If you pay attention, it's on both sides. I'll give an argument for each side where I use universal quantifiers to make my persuasive argument. Everyone deserves to be vaccinated against COVID because vaccines, blah, 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 blah. So notice that in this example, I've left no room for discussion. I've left no room for objection. I've left no room for exception. I'm just making a statement. This is a positive thing for all and for everyone. Okay, let me give the opposite example. The opposite example would sound like this. There is never a case in which the vaccine is going to be 100% effective all of the time. Now, it doesn't matter where I stand on this issue. That's not the point. The point is for you to understand that our political system is extremely polarized because both parties will look at things as being black or white, one or the other, all or nothing. And in order for us to find a balance, we need to leave room for exception. We need to leave room for details. We need to leave room for possibilities. Now, I'm not saying that anyone who uses a universal quantifier is doing it to be manipulative. So I'm not saying that because that would be universally quantifying how universal quantifiers are used. Yes, I just said that in a sentence. So let me give you some examples of when you might want to use a universal quantifier in order to reduce resistance in another person and create rapport and agreement. Here's some examples. Everyone deserves to relax at some point. Every breath takes you deeper and deeper into a relaxation state. Every time you read this book, you will learn something new or see something different. You will never know until you try. Every intelligent person knows that the key to success is an eye for the details. 
So as I mentioned a couple of times, there are a lot of hypnotic language patterns. I'm just going to give you one more to pay attention to because once you know it, you hear it everywhere. <laughs> I just used a universal quantifier. You'll hear it all the time. This one is called an extended quote. Extended quote is when who I am quoting becomes lost. A clear definition of this is an extended quote's there's a lot going on, there's many quotes intertwined in the story, and it becomes difficult to follow along. So by the time I get to the quote, it's unclear who is actually speaking. So here's an example. I first learned these language patterns from my trainer, who told me about the importance of language patterns as stated by his guru, who first learned it from none other than Richard, who observed these patterns while apprenticing with Milton Erickson, who was sharing with his student one day, you will master these patterns and you will for sure. What happens with an embedded quote is that the listener is trying to follow along with who you're talking about and eventually they get lost. So by the time that you get to the quote, they're just kind of susceptible to agreeing with whatever you say because they're behind, if that makes any sense. You deal with this in your everyday life when someone is trying to explain something to you that so-and-so said that they heard from so-and-so. So I'll give you an example that you might deal with on a daily basis that would sound like this. You know my friend Matt? Well, his sister's friend's boyfriend, his grandfather told him da 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 And you're like three steps behind because you're like, wait, your friend Matt... Yep, okay, I'm thinking about his sister. Okay, and then what What was after the sister? It was the sister's boyfriend. Okay, and then and when we're talking about the grandpa, and your brain is trying to catch up. So by the time you hear the quote, it's already unconsciously accepted in your unconscious mind. Politicians will do this all the time. They'll quote other people all the time, and we don't know who they're quoting. If you start paying attention to this, you'll notice it more and more because you'll understand that, oh, they're trying to get people, the masses, to not on an agreement and not ask questions like, who said this and why and what was the context and what does this quote have to do with what we're experiencing now? So someone really good at hypnotic language patterns, which another word for that is Milton model because it comes from Milton Erickson. And Milton Erickson was a world-renowned hypnotist. So someone who's really good at this Milton model will string together a ton of hypnotic language patterns at once and in doing so gain a massive amount of agreement and also possibly induce a trance. So I'm going to give you an example of this. Just know even if you're driving, it's okay. You're probably already in a trance state just because driving can do that. So I am going to create a trance-like state. I'm letting you know that. So you can just experience what it sounds like and what it feels like to be on the receiving end of a bunch of hypnotic language patterns strung together. And if you're a little bit resistant to trance, that's totally okay too. You don't have to be 100% on board. Just listen and see what you see and feel what you feel. And as you're listening to the words that I'm saying right now on the podcast, you're just going to notice that maybe my voice has changed. And maybe as you're recognizing that my voice has changed right now, you are realizing that you're becoming a little bit more relaxed 
as my voice is slowing down, you are taking note of how the slowness in my voice is allowing you to feel more relaxed. And so as you're just feeling what you're feeling, you might be thinking to yourself that you're not sure if this is working. And as you're realizing now that you're not sure if this is working, you're also wondering what if it is working. And as you're wondering what if it is working, you're realizing that I'm just speaking to you as an inspirational person. And as I'm speaking to you as an inspirational person, you're realizing that you are more and more or more or less in agreement with what I just said. And you're also curious about where hypnotic language patterns even originated from. And I'm going to remind you that hypnotic language patterns are also known as Milton model and Milton model comes from Milton Erickson, who used to tell his patients something that I sometimes also say, which is that if you can just go deeper inside, you can understand yourself better. And if you go deeper inside and understand yourself better, then you will know what you know and you will feel what you feel as you go deeper and deeper inside. That's right. And as you go deeper and deeper inside, you're becoming more and more relaxed and more or less understanding what it feels like to be on the receiving end of Milton model language. When I was first on the receiving end of Milton model language patterns, I was hearing it from my trainer who first heard it from the Tad James company who was trained by Bandler who learned it from Milton Erickson himself and he said that the best way to do Milton model hypnotic language patterns is over a podcast where people can hear what they hear at the pace that they would like to hear it here and now. Okay, come on back. Totally awake, totally alert. No matter what your experience was like, whether you were just kind of zen or relaxed or in agreement with me or not at all, it, it doesn't matter. You now understand that the Milton model hypnotic language patterns are created to develop a sort of trance-like state in people. Now, is a trance-like state in people good or bad? Is it manipulative or not. So I'm going to take you back to the very beginning of this podcast when I said it depends on how it's used. A knife, for example, is a tool that can be used to cut things like steak. It can be used to cut open boxes. A knife is a very significant tool when in the proper hands. Can a knife be used for harmful things? Yes, but it would take a harmful person to be holding the tool in order to use it harmfully. Does that make sense? And no, I'm not trying to trance you out. I'm saying that trance or hypnotic language patterns can be used for good. They can be used for good when you are trying to create agreement or you're trying to create less resistance. You're trying to create more rapport with a person or with a group of people. 
I will sometimes use these Milton model language patterns if I have a client that has already told me I want to make these changes in my life and here's the changes I want to make X, Y, and Z. And then for whatever reason, when they're showing up, they're showing up in resistance. Well, then I will use the hypnotic language patterns to break down the resistance because I know that their intuition, their unconscious mind already told me, I want to make these changes. So I am going to partner with the side or the part of the person that wants to make those positive changes and then use these hypnotic language patterns ecologically to reduce resistance and create rapport in order to make the changes. So that is the way in which you could use hypnotic language patterns for good. Can they be used negatively? Sure, I absolutely believe that they can. And that's why I'm telling you about this. So you will be more aware next time you're watching a commercial or next time you're watching a presidential candidate give a speech, you'll say, wait a second, I recognize that that's universal quantifier. I recognize that that's an embedded quote. I recognize that that's scope ambiguity. Hey, they're trying to put me in a trance. Not going to happen today. And you'll be able to recognize some of these hypnotic language patterns so you can decide, am I in agreement with what they're saying? What are they actually saying? Are they actually saying anything that's worth merit? Or are they just talking? That's something that you get to decide now that you're educated on this topic. So if you found this podcast at all entertaining or, or positively educational, please give me a five-star review and leave a note. I noticed, like, thank you so much, those of you that are leaving me reviews And it's so helpful when you leave a note for people about what you're enjoying about the podcast, what you've learned so far, what episode has been your favorite. That's not only helpful information for me to have, but it's really helpful information for other people to have if they're searching for a personal development podcast. There are a lot of choices out there, and I'm very thankful that you're spending the time with me to educate yourself on some of these topics that maybe other personal development gurus don't go into. So thank you for spending your time here with me today. I hope that you have learned something extremely valuable. And if you have, share this podcast with a friend and I will see you next week. Remember, life is a journey. You're the one in the driver's seat. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.